Welcome again, everyone, to Cold Cases from Every State, a series where we attempt to do exactly as the title says, cover a handful of cases from every state across the United States. I've gotten a few questions as to where this series will go once we reach the final state, and I'll explain that at the end of the video. Until then, here are three cold cases from Maryland. The Frederick County Doe. This case was brought to my attention by a lot of you when I asked for suggestions. The reconstruction scene here was created following the discovery of skeletal remains in Frederick County, Maryland. The remains were that of a young woman believed to be 17 to 27 years old, 5 foot 3 to 5 foot 5 in height, and anywhere from 100 to 130 pounds. The discovery came on the 24th of August, 1982, just off a gravel road in Gambrills State Park. The young woman's remains had been forced into a trunk similar to a suitcase or a footlocker. Whoever placed her there attempted to cover the trunk to delay the discovery, and it worked for some time. The forensic anthropologist who examined the remains determined that the remains were left in the trunk for a few months at least, meaning she could have had her life taken in the spring. There were many other discoveries from the remains that helped paint a picture of who the young woman could have been. First, the young woman had an immense amount of dental work done, including fillings, crowns, and root canals. There was also a noticeable amount of wear on her bones, but specifically her hips. Wear like that indicated that she'd been a very active woman, most likely participating in some kind of sport like gymnastics or cheerleading. This would also mean her hair was likely in a ponytail for a majority of the time. Finally, there was either a defect or a fracture in her pars interarticularis. This is one of the vertebrae in the spine in the lower back. If it was a fracture and not a defect as a result of spondylolysis, this would further drive home the theory that she was very likely a gymnast or a cheerleader. Other physical characteristics include her earlobes, which were said to protrude outward in an unnatural way. Her hair was likely dark brown and medium in length, though it could have been more of a reddish brown given the color of her pubic hair. As of now, no one has come forward to name this young woman, but many online have found some candidates. First is Catherine or Kitty Quakenbush. Kitty vanished from Delmar, Maryland on the 14th of July, 1981. She was from Georgia at the time, but was visiting her brother and father in Maryland. The night of her abduction, she had plans on meeting up with her boyfriend at the Cherokee Bowling Lanes in Salisbury, but her boyfriend was running late. She decided to leave and was last seen walking on Route 13. Her boyfriend, after finding out she'd left, drove to look for her, but she was never found and was soon reported missing. Her body has never been recovered. As far as physical attributes, she fits. She was 5'2 and 105 pounds at the time of her abduction, though I can't seem to find much more than that. The only article I've found mentioning her is buried in the Daily Times, and it mentions nothing that we don't already know. The next woman suspected to be the Doe found in Maryland is Nancy Lynn Jason. She was 18 years old at the time of her disappearance in July of 1977. Her last known whereabouts were at her residence in Bethesda, Maryland. She was there to pick up medication to treat her epilepsy. She was staying at this location because she was part of the Divine Lights mission, 
She was heavily involved in the group and had plans of taking a trip with them to Florida. All of her clothes and money were left behind when she went missing. Again, her physical characteristics are very similar to the young woman found in Frederick County. She was 5'7 and 124 pounds at the time of her disappearance. Her case, of course, is still unsolved. Next is a young woman named Diane Dye. She was only 13 in July of 1979 when she ran away from home in San Jose, California. On the 30th of that month, it's believed Diane ran away by her own free will because her parents were in the process of a divorce. Reports of her being seen shopping in a mall were prevalent through 1980 and 81, but eventually all reports fizzled out. The physical attributes line up once again with Diane being 5'2 and 110 pounds around the time of her disappearance. For some time, she was also believed to be the Princess Doe out of Belvedere, California, but nothing has ever come of this. Finally, a woman named Debbie McCall has been brought up as a possible ID for the young woman. Deborah, who was 16, went missing from Downers Grove, Illinois, on the 5th of November, 1979. Her last known whereabouts were just outside Downers Grove High School, where she was leaving to go home. At 5'2", 105 pounds, she falls right into the characteristics of the Frederick County Doe. One man, Bruce Lindahl, is a suspect in her case. In 2020, new DNA evidence linked him to a case of a 16-year-old girl who had her life taken in 1976. Bruce passed away in 1981 after accidentally severing an artery in his leg while attacking a man at his home, but as we said, he's still a suspect in Debbie's case, but he wouldn't be a candidate for the Frederick County Doe given he was deceased at the time. As of now, it has been 37 years since the Frederick County Doe was found, and unfortunately, all we can do is speculate about who she could have been. All the women mentioned here, too, have just as tragic stories, and some of their cases are well over 40 years old, so I implore you to report anything you may know for any of these cases to the corresponding numbers that you see on screen right now. Lamarst Alexander Porter, Jr. A year before Lamarst's case began, he was graduating from Meade High School and was making a living bussing tables at a restaurant in Fort Meade. From all accounts, he was a well-mannered and kind young man who didn't get involved with anything illegal or dangerous. As a matter of fact, his future was on his mind. According to the Charlie Project, Lamarst was said to have had talks with his mother about starting Anne Arundel Community College in 2004. Of course, all those dreams never had a chance to become reality. Lamars was living in Severn, Maryland at the time of his abduction. It was the 17th of September, 2003, when police believe Lamars was shot in front of his home on the 1700 block of Severn Tree Boulevard. It was just about 1 in the morning when the attack took place. Lamars was said to be seen with two African-American males just moments before the abduction took place. Following the shooting, the two men forced him into his car, a 1991 Lincoln Mark 7, and drove off. Lamarst, or his remains, have yet to be found. Police were at the scene around 1.30, and given the evidence there, it is believed Lamarst could have been deceased before entering the car, or very soon after. 
Lamar's car was located a few days following the events in Glen Burnie, Maryland. The car was said to be covered in blood, and because of this, Lamar's mother is working to have her son declared deceased. The police are positive that this was a homicide, though they're not sure on what motive his attackers had. Some say it was simply a robbery that got far too out of hand. Others believe the two men knew Lamar's personally and targeted him for an unknown reason. Some distinguishing characteristics of Lamar's include his tattoos. There were two on his left arm, one which reads Mo, and another of a skull. The Anne Arundel County Police have stated that there will be a $10,000 reward for anyone who has any information that leads to an arrest and conviction on the two men who attacked him back in 2003. You can submit any information you have to the Anne Arundel Police at these two numbers. The top number is to contact them directly, while the bottom number is for those who wish to stay anonymous. As I always say, don't hesitate. Michael Lee Wise III. Michael's case was brought to my attention by you all, and it's the most recent one on this list. It takes place in the same county as Lamar's case, and I believe it shows something very shocking. Michael's case begins in Glen Burnie, a town in Anne Arundel County. It was a Thursday night, last Halloween, when Michael, who was just 24, and his family were out trick-or-treating in their neighborhood. It was around 7.30 that night when residents heard what they believed to be fireworks, but they were actually gunshots. Michael, who was pushing a stroller at the time, was struck multiple times by a man witnesses described as African-American man in dark clothing and a hat. There was one man seen running from the scene, but it isn't clear if he was running from the shots or if he was the shooter. All of this took place on the 400 block of Batewood Court. Michael was pronounced deceased at the scene. Despite there being a larger-than-average number of people on the street that night, police hoped that someone would have come forward with information, but so far, Michael's case is unsolved. His case is just one of four shootings that took place last year that have police in Maryland at a loss. They have stated that they don't believe them to be connected, though they do believe there are some witnesses that have yet to come forward. The first of these four was on the 24th of October, 2019. 45-year-old Robert Lee Thomas Jr. had his life taken around 7.30 that night in Brooklyn Park. One witness described the shooter as an African-American man wearing dark clothing, but they couldn't provide any information further. At this point in time, no other witnesses have come forward, and other than robbery, there doesn't seem to be much of a motive in this case. The next shooting was that of Andre Lee Garrett on the 30th of October, 2019. Andre was on break at his place of work in the North Arundel Health and Rehabilitation Center in Glen Burnie when witnesses say he began talking with an African-American man before shots were fired, and the suspect, who stood at five foot six, wearing a dark t-shirt and a hat, took off in a silver sedan. Given this took place in the middle of the day, police have said they believe it to be a targeted event. Andre passed away the following day at the hospital. Of course, we've already covered Michael, who was the next individual to have his life taken by gunshot the following night. Finally, on the 18th of November, 28-year-old Xavier John Arthur Green had his life taken by shooting 
after answering someone who knocked on the door of his house in Glen Burnie. It's reported that whoever knocked may have known Xavier, given Xavier was willing to step outside with the individual. This individual, according to witnesses, was an African-American male again, but this time wearing a light-colored shirt and dark jeans. All four of these cases have sat unsolved for months now, and it seems police have hit a wall in all four investigations. They're urging anyone with information they believe can help in either of the cases to report it immediately. There is a $10,000 reward being offered for information leading to an arrest and conviction. If you do believe you can help in any way, you can report any info on either one of these cases to the numbers listed on screen right now. Thank you all so much for taking some time out of your day or night to listen to these stories of those who have been taken from us. I know it isn't easy, but I appreciate it. Once again, if you think you have any information that can aid police in any of the cases we covered tonight, please report it. If you don't have any info, then share this video around on social media to bring more eyes to it. You never know who out there may know something and is willing to come forward. Finally, I want to thank everyone that you see on screen right now. These are all of the patrons and channel members who keep this channel going. I appreciate you all so much, and if you do want to join them, follow the link in the description or click the join button below the video, either one, and you will get early access to all videos. One more thing before I go, I said I would address the series at the end of this one, so I am. Once we've reached Wyoming, that will be the final state. From there, I want to move this series to Canada and cover all the provinces, just like we did with the states in America. This has been quite the undertaking, but I'm glad I decided to do it. And again, thank you all for sticking with me through this. Finally, just remember to take care of yourself, each other, and as always, stay safe out there.